0: Adam Sloman, the author of Rise Together, Coventry City under Mark Robbins, which came out at the end of January. So people have lived with it for two months. Has the feedback been as you'd expect it to be?
1: Yeah, I've got to be honest, I was I was nervous um, about writing a book about something that is so close to my heart. Um, I'd done a book previously on the, on the Peugeot 205, which... I, I love cars, um, but I don't have the same level of, of passion and commitment to, to the 205 as I do to, to City. Um, and I just wanted—I just wanted supporters, you know, my fellow fans, to enjoy it and to for it to, to help them remember the incredible journey we've been on. And I've got to say. Touchwood. um everyone's been really lovely about it um the the help i've had with the book in terms of supporters giving me their time to share their stories players giving me their time players families you know chipping in and telling me little little anecdotes about what players have been been through and and how the games have gone it has been invaluable and, and hopefully it shines through and hopefully people have enjoyed it
0: the book is out on pitch it's a hardback it sounds like this and it's available for sixteen ninety nine. Did you know that as a Pitch author, you get my book from Kids to Champions at half price? Should you order it through Pitch, I don't know why I, I did. said that.
1: But I yeah. did, and um, I will be ordering a copy as soon as it's available.
0: Ah, oh, bless you, and we, thank you. And you will read Lee Fowler, who was one of those kids who came through the academy around the same time as the Strachan kids, Gavin and Craig. Uh, He also was good friends with Cal, Callum Davenport.
1: um, Yeah, he was a great player, Who who, really sad. I thought thought he had so much potential. Uh,
0: I don't like recommending the VC-backed, New York Times-owned website, The Athletic, because they don't need any publicity. But that piece about Callum Davenport is still one of the best things in the three years that that site has been in existence, because I didn't know any of it.
1: Yeah, he was he was outstanding. And again, like Sheffi, I remember him being linked to Spurs. Um, and that that sort of that time period around the, the final season of Highfield Road, we again the club being very short-sighted, brought in Eric Black, Boy in Peter Reid, and we had again a very weak squad. I actually remember what difference it would have made. But I actually remember taking the time to write to Mike McGinty, who was the chairman at the time, and saying we we need we need to invest, we need some players, this isn't going to work, You know, we're going to struggle. Um, and Callum Davenport was one of the few players who, was, who genuinely stood out in that squad along with the likes of He was He was a great player and it's such a shame that he didn't get the career he deserved.
0: Yeah, and um, I think you can access a couple of free pieces on The athletics, so do read that one, I might tweet a link. One thing that Lee told me, as you'll find out, is something you'll know, the average age of Coventry at the time mm-hmm was thirty one, thirty two, and now it's been brought down quite a lot. And that was because I would imagine... Uh, well, firstly, the captain was Gary McAllister, who was about 52. Gary Mack, <laughs> who is now assistant at Aston Villa and seems to be a big sounding board for Steven Gerrard. Um, but you just needed that now and the experience at the Premier League level because I guess that's what Strachan was used to as a player.
1: Yeah, very much so. I mean, Strachan gets a bit of a bad rap... From the Coventry fans, you know, because ultimately he was at the at the wheel when we when we did get relegated. But um, you know, you, you look at that that ninety seven ninety eight season. Arguably, we should have won the FA Cup that year. We got to a quarter final and lost to Sheffield United on penalties. You know, we we were doing everything right on the pitch, but off the pitch, things were. We're going awry with you know with huge amounts of debt and you know the the, the ground being sold without a real plan to to, to build a replacement. Um, and then there was the whole Arena Two Thousand idea where you know we were suddenly going to be home to the next Wembley Stadium. You know, as good as we can could possibly be, I can't ever see us filling a, an 90000 seater stadium week in week out, and that would just be be embarrassing. So. Um, Yeah, that was a really interesting period as a a City fan, without a doubt.
0: Yeah, we'll return to that era in about two minutes, but I was really sad because I didn't get up to Coventry for the culture year. Um, And Coventry really does have culture because we're too young, but still... Isn't there about to be a museum, a two-tone museum?
1: So there is a two-tone museum, yeah. Yeah. Um, That's in in Coventry. Obviously, uh, 2019, I think, was the... Um, was when we when we as a club marked the 14th anniversary of two-tone yep. with the um, with our two-tone away shirt which sold all over the world Of course um, it's in the book. Yes, yeah, and I was lucky enough to go to the to the kit launch that night and funnily enough I, I got to speak to Robbins on the on the night and I actually asked him a favour. My wife also coaches football and she'd broken her ankle on her FA level one training course. So I actually asked Mark if he would just do a quick video message for Sarah to let her know that, you know, he hoped he got well, she got well soon and all this sort of stuff. And absolute gent more than happy to do it. I felt like such a such a prat for asking, but, um, but yeah, I was more than happy to do it. It was a great, really great evening.
0: Yeah, the kit looks brilliant as well. It's being modelled in the book by Liam Walsh, great player. Another thing that I'm fed up with about football, and this is this is odd coming from someone who puts together the Football Library, which uh, today is uh, inducting Adam Sloman's book Rise Together, Coventry City under Mark Robbins on the shelves, but. Just the ingrates, the ingrates, but for the grace of Gino Pozzo or what's your chap's name? Dave Boddy. Yeah. Uh, Without them, we could be Bolton, we could be Bury, we could be any number of clubs that have slid down. Um, And football governance has to, well, we're seeing that. I don't know what Coventry fans overall think of Saudi, Abu Dhabi and Russia and indeed Americans, although that's a different bracket. Taking over the elite clubs, while Coventry are left to, no disrespect to Newport County, etc. But it's not great.
1: The trouble is, there are. I mean, you saw with the with the Chelsea situation just a couple of weeks ago. You know, the, the number of people who will quite happily turn around and say, well, "It's nothing to do with me. It's nothing to do with my club." They, 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 we need to sort of educate ourselves to understand the link between the club we support and the money that's funding it, and where that money is going and where that money's coming from, you know? It's um, I think sports washing is, is going to be a huge issue over the next sort of five, ten years. I feel sorry for people like Eddie Howe, who, at the end of the day, you know, just wants to continue his career as a football manager and is getting asked questions about... You know Saudi human rights abuses and things like that. I would probably, you know, take the easy route and say I just want to talk about football, please. It's a definite um, bone of contention, I think, with a lot of supporters. But for all those that say this is wrong, there shouldn't be a World Cup in Qatar, which I don't believe there should be. There will be you know, another thousand who will be looking to get tickets for group games. And, you know, it's the same as Man United fans yeah, and, and FC United. All the Man United fans in the world can walk out and say, I'm not going to put up with the Glazers anymore. I'm going to go and do something else. The second they don't renew their season ticket at Old Trafford, there will be, you know, 1, 10, 100, 200 people who want to take their place. So it's um it's difficult. Football's big business now. And it's, it's I think, it's only through the lens of, of playing you know relatively recently league two football that you realize just how how much business there is in in the game now you know
0: well i can't wait to go to wieldstone soon who are a national league club and we're talking just before and this will go out just after non-league day um would you take lily to a non-league game men's game
1: absolutely Absolutely, we've um, we we used to go um, to. So the, the t- I live in a little little town called Fairford um, near Sirencester. We've been to Fairford town games together. We've been to Sirencester town games together. What league
0: are they um, in? Are they are they National North Sirencester?
1: I mean, they've got a lovely they've got a lovely setup there. Um, they're in the Southern Football League Division One. Funnily enough, eighty uh used to coach there. So um there's there's yet another link to Coventry.
0: <laughs> Very good and AD is is someone we will touch on at the end probably because I do want to go back to the glorious era and the 1990s because you were alive and watching football when the game changed in 1992 the pass back rule was um implemented in 95 the bosman ruling came uh and in 2000 football went f- highlights for football went from the BBC to ITV and snatch of the day in something I'm sure Jimmy Hill will have approved of. <laughs> you say you have a lot of books in, um, in your house. Are you looking forward to buying The Curse of Pele by Huris Caper?
1: Oh, that's not what I've heard of. Um, it's there, been, it was going to come
0: out this month, but I think it's been pushed to November. It's about Nye Lamptey.
1: Ah, now you're talking. are well, talking. Yeah. Now there's, there, there's a player who, you know, very much became a commodity and you know, sort of pushed around Europe um, by by people with with money in, at their at their heart rather than his his interest at their heart. You know, he could have he could have been a, a huge huge talent.
0: How did he end up at Kov?
1: He came on loan from Aston Villa, I seem to remember, when Ron Atkinson was, was managing um, and, again, firefighting to keep us in the Premier League. I think he only played something like half a dozen games for Coventry. And then I think he disappeared off to to Belgium, I think. Yeah, I mean, the, the poor guy bounced, um, I always like to say, he had more clubs than a golf course. Yeah. <laughs> and even then,
0: but, in golf, you're only allowed 14 in your bag.
1: Exactly, um, but um, but yeah, I mean, there's there's another player who, who you know sort of burned into your retinas from from old uh, Merlin sticker albums.
0: Indeed, and much like, uh, I have a friend who comes from Mashona land, and so whenever I meet someone from Zimbabwe, I automatically go ah, and Lovu
1: Peter and Lovelace was, was an amazing player. Um, I mean, in today's market, you think what what someone like that would be worth? And just a bit of a character around Coventry. Um, there's a there's a friend of mine who I follow on Twitter who, anytime anyone asks um, if they've got any weird connections to uh, to a footballer, um, she remembers working in Woolworths in Coventry and selling Peter Ennis a, a suitcase.
0: <laughs> wow! Of all the places, I, mean, I know they did suitcases in Woolies, but
1: I think they did everything in Woolies, but. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, you know, just just that that story of, of Coventry as a, as a football club, giving you know finding different players in different places, giving players a chance. You know, it's the same with um, uh, Gael Begirimana, who again came through the academy, and again is another player who, you know, sadly hasn't had the career that perhaps he deserved. He ended up in in Coventry uh, and and came down to the academy, uh, and I don't think he even had a pair of boots, but proved his abilities, um, and and managed to forge a career for himself um, and did brilliantly, you know, before a sort of disastrous move to Newcastle and now he's playing over in Northern Ireland I believe. But, you know, to, to come from from Burundi and make it as a you know, as a as a professional footballer that's um, that's tremendous. Yeah,
0: I always uh, was amazed by the Shalabars because Nathaniel was born in Sierra Le- Leone. I think Trevor, the brother, was born here. But to come from any war-torn nation, and I, I dread to think of any young Afghan or Ukrainian footballers being displaced, or that's the, the woman Nadia Nadim, who is an Afghan who I think is based in, is it Denmark?
1: I believe so, yeah, and I is, think yeah, so.
0: Really outspoken about the treatment. Of, uh, yeah. of various footballers and, and we 're talking on the day that Ada Hagerberg has declared herself available for Norway again, and I saw uh, that. this is the best player in the world who couldn 't play in the World Cup because she disagreed with fifa 's stance and again reason number five hundred and six why the football library is open but i 'll kind of maybe i 'll palm it off to you if you 're oh, you can hold some <laughs> events there 's an event space uh in this mind palace where there's all kinds of uh, books. What books about Cov would you recommend?
1: So uh, I'd recommend uh, anyone who wants to get a a better understanding of um, where we've been over the last sort of, well, since we moved to the Rico, I recommend Club of Their Home by Simon Gilbert. He spent uh, years um, writing for the Coventry Telegraph, um, he's a a political journalist for the BBC in the West Midlands now. Club of That at Home is a fantastic read and will really um help you understand, you know, how we ended up being tenants to a to a London rugby club and a stadium that was built for us. Um, so that's a good read. Jim Brown, uh, who is the club historian, has done uh, "Ghosts of." A, I think it's called "Ghosts of a Vanished Stadium." That's that's another brilliant read. Yeah, and then you know, there's all sorts of of non-calf football books that I've enjoyed. Um, Peter Schmeichel's autobiography. It was um, great. I
0: actually just on that, I actually looked to see how much it would cost to buy Schmeichel's autobiography because he wrote one in 2000, which is more or less disowned, and I found out that yeah. day. I think it had been. Announced that Johnny Northcroft and Peter Schmeichel's collaboration, and it really is a great book.
1: Really good book. Yeah. Yeah, a really good book. Mm. Um, I mean, I I played in goal um, as a kid and um, even though he didn't play for Coventry, Steve Grisovich is my favourite all-time Coventry player. Um, But Peter Schmeichel was just such an incredible goalkeeper. You know, I, my, my daughter plays in goal. My son plays in goal um, uh, under, under 10s and under 12s. Um, And, you know, Michael is one of those when I say that look at look at the way he does this, look at the way he does that, um, because the guy's just an icon. Uh, another good book is um going to the match i don't know if you've seen that The Passion for football by Duncan Hamilton. No, I bought that for a friend yeah. bought that for a friend for his birthday recently, and that's all about you know actually going to the game and and why that's why that's so important to go and do rather than um, rather than go and, and watch it on the telly and um, There's another book that I'm trying to remember. And it's a collection of commentary supporters' stories. And I always remember there's the one in there um, about a guy who bought his first season ticket. um, And he had a guy sat behind him who was doing commentary all the way through the game, but kept getting the players' names wrong. Um, And he thought, you know, this guy must be getting his press reports all over the place because the players' names are wrong. Um, You know, what, what on earth is all this about? Anyway couple of games into the season he turned around and looked at the guy to realise that he wasn't even he wasn't even doing uh, a match report or anything on the radio he was just doing his own commentary into his hand (laughs) 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 gosh so yeah, that's, um, that was a, that was a, an interesting story. Um, Jim Brown's done another another good one that's well worth a read. Is um, "Play Up Sky Blues," which is all about us winning the championship in 1967. And going up to there's another one by Steve Phelps. Um, I think it's Steve Phelps, 30 minutes from Wembley, which is all about our run in the League Cup um, when West Ham um, knocked us out of the League Cup at the semi-final stage. That's a good book. And then going all the way back in time, I've got a copy of um, The Sky Blues, um, the story of Coventry City by Derek Henderson. And that is from that is from period, that is from the 1960s. And that's that's a really good read. That's a really interesting sort of counterpoint to how football books are written today um, and how they were written sort of, you know, nearly 50 years ago.
0: Yeah. Um, when I was researching a uh, series, couple of programs on Brian Glanville I read a lot of sports writing from the 60s and 70s that he'd written or recalling that era and football writing has changed there's definitely two schools the kind of Michael Calvin in there with the laptop or sorry in there in the trenches or Jonathan Wilson what the athletic do which is great it's one way to write football but I can't be bothered with points per goal ratio, whatever the stat of the day is. I
1: I, I struggle with the stats, I must admit.
0: If used well, you can prove anything with statistics. 28% of people say that.
1: (laughs) I must tell you one last book. It's absolutely brilliant. Staying Up by a guy called, I think he's called Rick Gukowski or Gukowski. He follows Coventry in the 97 to 98 season. Um, And he covers our friendly away at Torquay United, which was a game I went to. Um, And the morning of the game, Darren Huckabee came down for breakfast and had a baseball cap on when he walked into the restaurant. So Strachan told him to take his hat off because it's rude to be indoors with a hat on. Huckabee ignored him. Strachan asked him again. Huckabee still wouldn't take his hat off. So Strachan removed his hat and then made Huckabee run laps around the outside of the hotel while the rest of the players had breakfast.
0: (laughs) Boy, yep, Sergeant Major Strachan. Absolutely. Now, this era of Kov's history, and this is a club you say are synonymous with failure. Um, Not in the last five years, not under Mark Robbins, uh, not with him at the reins, as... Um, said in Rise Together Coventry City under Mark Robbins, a book out now written by Adam Sloman. Uh, I've just got several names written down here. So you've given me a Huck anecdote. Uh, Noel Whelan, as you may know, appears in my Youth Cup book because he won it with Leeds. Uh, He was, in fact, the only one of that class to really make it in the first team uh, and has had a very good career otherwise. Uh, He definitely had the hair, for the period.
1: Yes. <laughs> a haircut I sported myself.
0: <laughs> uh, well, of course, yes, you were that age as well. It's like how uh, you can tell who is the fashion in football uh, by the amount of haircuts that people follow. Everyone had the Ro- the Royce and then the Grealish. But, yeah, the floppy yeah. Beckham of the era. Noel Whelan was kind of a, a good-looking chap.
1: And he was a lad who, who had, you know, his demons. I just think where he would have been... If he'd, if he'd been able to sort of look after himself a little bit better. I know Strachan went to a, a huge amount of, of effort to keep him sort of out of trouble and to stop him from, from getting himself into situations where he shouldn't have been involving himself. I remember there's a story of him, he'd asked, uh, he was staying with the Strachans and he'd asked if he could go out and see Paul Telfer um, and go and watch a film. Um, so Strachan said, yeah, you can go. Well, him and his wife went to the cinema that night and caught Noel Whelan in the cinema with a blonde lady who most definitely wasn't Paul Telfer. Um, mm. He he just liked a bit of a bit of a life, I think. I mean, there's the story of him putting putting his putting his foot through a shop doorway in in Leamington and then being out for six or seven weeks because he he injured his ankle. Um, great player on his day, absolutely brilliant player.
0: Yeah you you don't win the youth cup without being a great player after bosman which uh freed up the movement of people especially non eu citizens uh people with fun names started uh coming into english football and by fun i mean there were uh, there was a, a lot of african players one called Mustafa and one called yusuf who was your favorite hadji or chipo
1: Oh, had would have to be hadji i remember watching that world cup um and he was, he was phenomenal in that World Cup. They and beat then Scotland.
0: To, Played
1: Scotland. They did. Yeah. They did. And then to, to see to see him, him sign for Coventry was, was tremendous. Because, you know, the World Cup is such a great shop window for, for players. What an outstanding talent. Um, and another one who, who broke my heart by um, by going down the road to go and play for that Lion, Clarence Blue. Uh,
0: well, he wasn't the only one. Um, I'd forgotten he'd gone to that club. George Boateng and Dion Dublin both went to... Do you think there was an agreement between Doug Ellis and... uh, I can't remember who the Coventry chairman was. Mike McGinty, as you would have said.
1: It would have been Brian Richardson at the time.
0: Uh, Do you reckon they had an understanding that Villa had first option on any Cov players?
1: Well, the story goes that Dublin went first and then got Boateng to go along with him. So, so apparently Dublin is the uh, Dion. Dublin is the one to blame. Um, but um, as a regular viewer of Homes Under the Hammer, I've long since forgiven Dion Dublin.
0: Yeah. He's, Dion, <laughs> his his gravestone, which won't be for many years, will will say "stairs up to heaven." <laughs> as I'm sure he's, and he is one of the, and again thing 507 that I can't stand about modern football the punditry and the voices and the noise and the fact mm. that five live is basically fighting talk 24 hours a day I don't want that but I'm cantankerous um <laughs> there are a few other names tell me about Robert Yarny and his time at Coventry
1: oh well that was that was insane so if you believe one set of stories it's the fact that Betis wouldn't let him, wouldn't sell him to, or Betis, Madrid wanted him and Betis wouldn't sell him directly. Um, That's one set of stories. The other set is that um, he was never going to play for us um, because his wife came to a Coventry game and didn't like the area, didn't like the look of Coventry, didn't like the stadium. So they left pretty much pretty quickly um, but there's a really good interview with Brian Richardson who was the chairman at the time who apparently says that it was all down to his agent being difficult and his agent could get him a move and his family were, were settled in Spain so he apparently got cold feet they had tried to cancel the transfer um, but Coventry wouldn't have it so I mean that was that was crazy that's that's up there with um with uh, the recently departed uh, Joey Beecham and his move, back.
0: ah yes, no, it was crazy because I looked at the um, the transfer incomings and outgoings, and I went, oh, Robert mm. Yarney went to commentary. Oh, he left to go to Madrid. There's a story there.
1: Nice, nice, solid million pound profit. Yeah, for, uh, for doing less than nothing.
0: Well, again, that's modern football. The money goes somewhere, we don't know. Someone said that if Holland goes to Man City, Mino Raiola gets ten percent of the transfer fee. Because apparently now he can't represent both sides, he can't represent both clubs and the player. But I hope we I hope you're looking forward to a fun summer of there's a World Cup in Qatar and Holland and Mbappe are the big and pogba as well. It's just it's not cricket. Or football. No. I'm much more interested at a time when Steve Froggatt was able to go to Coventry for 1.9 million pounds
1: and score that goal against uh, against Everton, oh, yeah. um, who sadly had his career cut short when he was injured in a in a horrendous tackle. Um, but yeah, again, we were we were a team of entertainers. That was that was the thing. It was it was entertaining to watch us in that period. You know, with with people like Steve Froggatt look with Haji and Chippo and and um, and Robbie Keane, you know, we, we really had some some really exciting players and it's I try and explain it to the kids and put it into context of, of what they've watched over the last couple of years and, and where we were when I was my daughter's age, you know, it's um it, it's crazy. It's crazy.
0: So you, you outline in this book Rise Together the prolific nature of the prolific nature of Doyle and McNulty. And the prodigal Callum O'Hare, who was initially a loanee and made his move permanent from Aston
1: Villa. You see,
0: they do have a roots. I said ruse. it. I said it. Yep. <laughs> um, but, but was Robbie Keane just on a different stratosphere when he was a teenager yeah. at Coventry?
1: I mean, you you get those players, don't you? That you know, and, and they're sure one of the one of the. Massive clubs in the world, you know that this talent appears, and you, you've just got to enjoy it while they're there. It's a bit like that with O'Hare and with with Hamer at the moment. We know they're not going to be there, um, you know, for five, ten years. We know that no, the days of people like Steve Griswitch playing six hundred odd games for a club are, are, are long gone. I think. Um, so you just got to enjoy it while they're there. And I, I couldn't believe that this this Irish kid that we signed from Wolves for a significant sum of six money. Yeah, it was a big, big transfer fee, but boy, didn't he ever live up to it.
0: Quite right, and uh, his career... Uh, Jermaine Defoe retired today. I would put Keane and Defoe, because they played together, yeah. in the same bracket. Hilariously underrated, beloved, yeah. because they never seemed to be in trouble.
1: Yeah, very true, and very true. And I remember, for me, the, the moment that really sort of cemented Robbie Keane as a, as a cove legend for me was when we played Spurs in the League Cup. Um, we dropped down to the championship by this point, and Robbie Keane scored. If I remember rightly, scored in front of the West Terrace, and the guy didn't celebrate. He just walked away. And you know, I know that players move on, and you know, they, they want to celebrate because they're with their current employer but, and all that sort of stuff. But for him, just to just to take that little tiny moment, just to sort of give a bit of respect to the Coventry fans who absolutely adored him, I thought that was really classy. And I, I you know, I thought a lot of. That.
0: I'm sure Callum O'Hare will do the same uh, when he moves on for a hilarious amount of money, um, <laughs> which will help to fund another summer or autumn or winter splurge. Because Coventry seemed to be run really well. You keep the gate receipts now at the Coventry yep. Building Society Stadium. Uh, you've got the club captain, Liam Kelly, who uh, seems to be a good egg. And you have one of the best coaches in England, uh, Adi Vivash. Do you think he is a career number two, Vyvash, or do you think he harbours? Because he came from Chelsea's youth academy, quite famous?
1: Yes. Yeah, I think I think he a, he and Robbins are a very good fit. You can. It was really interesting watching the games during lockdown when there were no supporters in the stadium. Because even though I was, you know, an hour or two away from Coventry, I'm sure that if I'd opened the back door of my house, I would have heard Vivash shouting from the touchline. Um, he, he is, he is an enforcer. He is, you know, he is good cop, bad cop. But you, if you watch any of the training videos that that the club put uh, out, the praise and the the uh, encouragement he gives to the players is you can, it's it's palpable. You can hear it so loudly and so clearly. Um I just think he's a really good fit with, with Robins. Um Robbins is quite understated. He's quite you know, always talks very calmly post match, whether we've played brilliantly or whether we've been awful. Um and, and, and Vivash I think sort of backs him up with, with a presence um that I think every team needs. I think it was very telling when we got turned over by Hull a couple of weeks ago and we were we were dreadful on the night. Um, no Robbins, no Vivash, Both at home with COVID, um, and I think that that transferred to the players. You know, we were very naive. We were quite immature in the way we played football, and I think that was purely down to the fact that um, Robbins and Vivash weren't there for the night.
0: Very interesting. Given that Robbins was influenced by a Swiss under seventeen team, which included Granite Zaka, believe it or not. Do you think that the football that Coventry are playing under Mark Robbins is a match for what was played under Strachan or Pleat or Hill? Do you think the football will entertain a neutral?
1: I think so, yeah. I mean, if you look most recently, if you see the goal we scored against Derby County on, on Saturday, that was a fantastic goal, you know, a proper team goal. Um, and we do, we do move the ball really well. We're a, we're a genuinely entertaining team to watch. Um when we beat Bristol City with, with ten men um back in November, um I actually missed it's probably the best game of the season. I missed it. I had a work commitment. I was I was on the London to Brighton veteran car run with cars sort of mm. from the uh, turn of the century, nineteen oh four and that sort of thing. Jesus, nineteen oh four. Nineteen oh four. So yeah, our, the, the the company I work for, we, we have a nineteen oh four Knox, um that that did the run this year. So that was um that was interesting, but my a good friend of mine who also coaches football, I lent him my season ticket, um, and he, he said, "You know, you guys play incredible football. You play really good football, and a whole a whole season. The story of our season has been being so close, being inches away from doing everything right. You know, lost narrowly to to Middlesbrough away from home." Um, when we've not won games you know we should have been we should have been home and dry on Saturday against Derby um, if if Jokeres had had finished two of the really good chances he had so the, the signs are there that we're you know we're an exciting team we're playing the right kind of football um, I wish sometimes people sat around me would understand that football these days is very different. It's not about getting the ball forward. Bang um, it long, bang it into yeah, the mixer, yeah. get it, get <laughs> yeah. stuck in. Yeah. That's
0: how they all talk wherever they're from. Yeah. Get stuck yeah. in, idiots.
1: Yeah, um, but you can you can see the progress. You can see yeah. you know, and it it all goes back to um, we we played a game against Fleetwood Town in League One. Uh, we were shocking in the first half. We switched to three at the back and we've never really looked back. You know, that, that back three quartet of, of Hyam, uh, McFanton and either Rose or um Jake Clark Salter, you know, we've got a really strong base there. Um of, of you know, three centre backs who who play football. Um you know, Dom Dom Himes chipped in with a number of goals, Mcfanson's chipped in with some goals, Rose has scored this year, you know, it, it speaks volumes that all the way throughout that, that starting eleven, all the way back to Simon Moore in goal, they all played football. Um so yeah, I think we're I think we're an entertaining team to watch and, and well worth a visit for any neutral.
0: The spine of the book is sky blue. The man on the cover looks like some kind of um Emissary from the British Empire. Oh, it's Mark Robbins. <laughs> uh, did you choose that picture, or was that a Duncan Olner choice?
1: So that was that was Duncan's work. Um, so once again, you know, Duncan's a great guy. Um, yeah, when he sent the cover artwork through, I was I was blown away. I was really pleased. With it.
0: Yeah, it is top top stuff. Rise together, Coventry City under Mark Robbins, 1699. Get it for your Coventry supporting friend, or just someone who likes good football played well. And uh, to celebrate a man who has been in his job for five years where the life expectancy for the job is about 10 months. Is that right? In the championship?
1: Yeah, Yeah, very much so, yeah.
0: It's pathetic. But um, I look forward to hosting you at the Vic. I'll, I'll see you. If you come down with the kids, I will see you and I'll get this book signed. The book is Rise Together. Adam Sloman, I guess you've got some events to market. Is there another book in you?
1: So, yeah conversations with with pitch about another another project i'd like to uh, like to tackle it is another city related project so um yeah watch this space
0: good luck and happy 40th birthday i don't know how you're going to celebrate with cars
1: i'm i'm going to new york i'm I'm going to be watching a a sport of a different kind i'm going to see the new york mets play baseball so they suck they suck
0: worse than coventry the mets famously so
1: so i have to i have to explain why i chose the Mets yeah. so when when Coventry moved to northampton um I stopped watching i, I completely switched off I lost all, all all interest and and it really sort of broke my heart but i needed some some sort of sport to watch so i always had a soft spot for new york um one of my other big passions is 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 the ghostbusters franchise uh-huh. um so it had to be something new york based so i Literally put into Google, how do you choose your Major League Baseball team? And there was a guide to each team, and it said if you like the underdog, um, if you're accustomed to, to losing more than you will win, and you you maybe got a little hint of self-loathing, then the New York Mets is the team for you. So that that was it. I, I went for the Mets, so um, I'm all in. So uh, yeah.
0: Well, I hope that you both are and aren't disappointed. Do you know who they're playing <laughs>
1: that that game? We are, I want to say it's the Diamondbacks
0: Oh, they're really good Yeah, you'll sure. lose heavily yeah. to the Diamondbacks Depending on the roster but... Just like
1: the library Just like the library Just like the library Just like the library Shh